Okay, so I've got this. I made tea before we started because it's mm -hmm. the early afternoon. And I've got this teapot that has this fucked up little cat guy on it. I love a fucked up I'm trying to get a good guy. angle on him so that you can see his face. I've played Final Fantasy XIV. Love a fucked up little cat guy. My phone is having trouble focusing on it. Okay. There we go. Let me send this I want to see you. this fucked up little cat guy. Oh my god. <laughs> He's precious. <laughs> I'm know, adopting this child. This is my son now. I'm sorry, but your fucked up little cat guy is my child now. This is a treasured teapot. It's like actual it's um it's made out of like a porous clay so that it takes oh. on the flavor of the various teas that you brew in it. That sounds delicious. Okay, are we ready to talk about this fucked up movie? I just want to ask you real quick, how was your, how, did you enjoy your watch? No. <laughs> I, no. <laughs> I, I did, I, I did my best. I watched this sober, which maybe was the right idea, because um, oh it's a no. little weird to watch while high. Um, and I'm also in the middle of a tea break, so, like... Fair. So, how was your time? Uh, for the first, I would say, hour of this film, I had a rip-roaring time. I had some, some cool punk music, uh, on, listening, and, um, it was really good. Should we start the podcast before... <laughs> before we start the podcast? Bef yeah. Um, maybe. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Yeah, yeah, let's, uh, let's do that. Do you remember uh, it? Yes, of course I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Unsound Theories. I'm Kat. I'm Kira. And we watch movies with no sound and no subtitles, and try to figure out what the hell is going on before all of the souls of the planet get sucked up into one... Very naked lady. Very. Oh, she was so naked. So, okay, so I, I want to talk about the album sync that okay. I did for this movie, first of all, because um, <laughs> there's a story behind it. Okay. Um, so, back in the day, probably like 15 years ago, I took a vampire literature class at community college. Because um, I'm a huge turbo nerd about vampires. No, that that's that's reasonable. You're a gay woman. That happens. <laughs> yeah. Um. So and, and and part of that class, we watched like a scene from this movie, mm -hmm. um, which is how I knew about it. Um. And then the the same teacher who also taught that class. First of all, 
this dude, <laughs> this dude, <laughs> this dude looks like a more sickly Moby. <laughs> <laughs> That's such an evocative description. So, along with the vampire literature class, he also taught a um, punk rock history and culture class. Okay. Which I really wanted to take, but I didn't get the chance to. Um, but he he was he was one of those like cool teachers. Yeah. Like um, one of the like the final project for the punk rock class. Uh, they had to give a five minute presentation on what punk means to them. And fascinating. When, <laughs> right. Uh, one dude got up in front of the class and just smoked a joint for five minutes in silence and then said, that's what punk means to me. And he got an A. That's uh, actually absolutely A-worthy in a class on punk rock. Exactly. Genuinely, genuinely no notes. Good work. Exactly. So anyway, this teacher introduced me to a band called Gay Bikers on Acid. Gay bikers on acid. Yes, which is, um, the, the, the subgenre of punk is Grebo. Oh yeah, no, I'm familiar with Grebo. Yeah, yeah, it's Grebo, Grebo band. Um, they're, they're fun. Um, they also apparently, uh, would at some gigs open for themselves um, all dressed in women's clothing under the a separate band name of lesbian dopeheads on mopeds. <laughs> That's delightful, and um, I do just like I, I I would feel remiss in not pointing out how absolutely essential like being all kinds of gender fucked is to punk music. Yeah, so love it. It's extremely good. Um, great band. The sync was incredible. Like, I started it off, and, um, like, it starts off with, like, the the MGM Lion, and Mm -hmm. the the opening seconds of the first song, because I started with their, with their, um, albums in chronological order. The, The opening seconds of the first song was these, like, rumbly, grumbly machine sounds that did almost sound like a lion. (laughs) <laughs> that is very good it was so good later on there's a, a point where um there's astronauts exploring like a burned out uh space shuttle as it comes back to earth right mm-hmm. and like literally as soon as there's a burning like a charred corpse flying by across the screen there's a sample in the song of a dude going yowza 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 <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I also did an album sync. Um, I did it with uh, Question, Are We Not Men? Answer, We Are Devo, the Devo album. Perfect. And uh, when the vampire woman shows up first and we realize that she's naked and we see her entire naked body, yeah, a song called Space Junk was playing. Perfect. Um, I don't, I don't know that there were any other really big moments, but you know it it fit pretty well and then after that i switched over to led zeppelin's physical graffiti because i needed something that i could listen to without having to change the album again and that thing is a double album so it's like an hour and a half long oh yeah 
I had a couple other points of sync. Um, there a a song called "After Suck There's Blow" came on <laughs> during the scene when she's sucking dudes dry and then exploding the window to escape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. A, a song called Hot Thing that has the line, uh, she was the hottest thing I ever had in all my life, came on during the sex scene. <laughs> and then right after that, a song called Testicle of God comes on, and it has a scream, literally exactly when he wakes up from his dream and starts screaming. I cannot emphasize enough how perfect this album sync was. That sounds like you had a very, very, very good experience. It was so good. Okay, so um, do we want to just go over... I, 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 there's something I want to go over before we get too deep into actually doing a summary. Okay. Uh, this movie was produced by Menachem Golan, mm-hmm. who um, discerning ears and eyes might recognize that name as being the guy who... Uh, turned the apple into a movie. <laughs> um, the apple is one of those movies that I would do for Unsound Theories if I hadn't seen it like 18 times. Yeah, Sam. It's so good. It's genuinely, it's perfect. I actually have a uh, Boogaloo International Music sticker, the BIM mark, yeah. on the back of my car. I got one of those for Hannah because it's like one of her favorite movies. It's such a weird movie. I know yeah. we're not here to talk about the Apple, but like, there's a lot of really weird songs in that one. Like, like watching the Apple raw is very good. Watching the riff tracks is also very good. I kind of prefer the raw version. Yeah, there's because there's I feel some like really it, good moments in the riff tracks one though. Absolutely, it's just one of those things where I feel like getting to see the movie as it stands on its own when God comes down in a Pontiac Trans Am to rapture all the hippies. God, it's so... It's so good. <laughs> it's it's incredible. Uh, the fact that it takes place in 1994, also incredible. Yeah. Love it. Uh, the, the costume. Oh my god, I love the costumes. Yeah, and, yeah. And the... the, the Gotta love the random... It's... Ugh. I love the way that it cuts in between, like, the, you know, present day and the allegorical hell and makes um Mr. Boogaloo into Satan. It's very, yeah. very, very, very literal. Yeah. And also, at the same time, like, a weirdly Christian interpretation of Torah. Uh-huh. Given that it was made by an Israeli Jew. <laughs> yeah, I, it did feel extremely Christian. Okay, so let's talk about the movie we actually watched. Yes. Life Force. Life, we didn't even say the name yet. We watched Life Force. The... From 1985. Yeah. <laughs> we're, on, we're on some good shit right now this yeah is perfect i have no complaints about this episode no it's we're, we're off to a start um so the movie opens up with a bunch of astronauts on what genuinely kind of to me looks a little bit like a weirdly converted school bus that they turned into a set i can kind of see that particularly like the the um the weird like window you know the how buses have those like 
top event things that are emergency exits as well. Yeah. It, they had, like, those, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what made me like, oh, it's a bus. Are you, are you talking about the space shuttle or the... Yeah, the space shuttle. I mean, it was just the space shuttle, right? But with big solar arm things? Yeah, well, the... It, the not the like the mat of the space shuttle itself or the prop for the space shuttle itself, but the the internal okay, opening yeah. shot of the inside of the space shuttle. Yeah. Like it's it's like they crammed a bunch of fake computers inside of the shell of a hollowed out bus. <laughs> and that was how they created the set that they used for the space shuttle. That sounds about right. Yeah. Honestly I wouldn't be surprised if that's exactly what they did. So I think they're supposed to, based on the mission badges that they have, they're supposed to be on a space shuttle mission to observe Halley's Comet. Mm-hmm. I believe so. And instead they find a giant floating space hulk that they need to investigate. Yeah, that ship looks a lot like a ship from one of my favorite sci-fi novels of all time. Ooh. Yes. Um, the book is called Blind Sight, and the ship is called Theseus. And... Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> this ship called Theseus. I mean, yeah, it's intentional because it has like nanofabricators and it can like make new parts for itself and shit like that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Okay, I need to. Well, you're gonna have to send me the mes- a message with the name of this book because I do need to read it now. I highly recommend it. It's extremely good. Also, it was in its original. Um, uh, publishing run, <clears throat> the publisher in Russia declined to publish it because it was deemed too depressing for the Russian people. <laughs> okay, um, so since we're doing book recommendations, um, actually the second one should be coming out soon, if not now. Um, there's a book, it's more of a novella that I read recently called A Psalm for the Wild Built. Okay. Strongly recommend that. That one is not too depressing for the Russian people, <laughs> but, but is in fact just too gay for the Russian people. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that sounds a little bit better. I mean, like, Blind Sight is, it's really fucking good. It is, uh, at its at its core, it's an, expl- it's an exploration of, uh, like, consciousness and mm-hmm. what the point of it is. Um, it's It's quite good. The aliens are really good. Um, yeah. Love a good alien. Look, they're they're real good. Also, there's um there's uh at the end of the book there's um a reference section <laughs> so you can go read all the scientific papers that this tech in the show is based in in the book is based on. That's fun. Okay. I probably won't do that. Um, Song for the Wild Built doesn't have that, but it does have a robot, and there's a lot of tea. The general like summary that i guess i would give the story is um that like it's set on a sort of solar punk rewilded moon Mm -hmm. and the question that it asks is in a life free from want can you still feel dissatisfied that does sound really good send me the name of that also yeah of course so Back to the thing we were actually talking about. Right, right, right. Um, they they find this giant space hulk of a spaceship floating in space and decide to investigate it. Yeah. Now, um, if I've learned anything from the 
small bits of Warhammer 40k lore that I've osmosised through the fact that I'm trans. Uh, <laughs> it's it's unreal how true that is. <laughs> um, I think this is a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, I mean they should have been tipped off when the fucking entrance to the ship was shaped like a coffin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That probably should have been a sign for them, but they persist. And in doing so, they make first contact. So their first contact protocol is... um, Abysmal. It's so bad. They find this, like, bat creature thing, and the literal first thing the captain guy does is break off its finger. Mm-hmm. And then bright light shines on them, and they go towards that light to see what it is. Yeah. Uh, clearly not genre savvy. And there they find two naked men and a naked woman. Yeah. The movie goes through great pains to show you literally every inch of the naked woman's body. Mm-hmm. And then but it does the naked men are conveniently obscured by, by... Does not show dick. Yeah. It's real disappointing. It's extremely disappointing that they were too cowardly to show me a hog, but were perfectly alright with Flash and Puss. I know, right? It's it's unfortunate. So this is where my Devo album sync had Space Junk start playing, which was absolutely delightful. So um, they travel back to Earth. Yeah, yeah, they take the, like, glass coffin things with the with the hu- the naked humans uh, mm-hmm. back to their space shuttle and they head back to earth and then we we cut back to earth and the space shuttle's coming in and they have to send up another space shuttle to get it cuz the other cuz the cuz it's off course or something like that right or it's like it isn't actually making an attempt to land it just is orbiting yeah so they send a space shuttle up to like dock with it, and they they go in, and the whole place is like burned out, and there's a bunch of corpses floating around, and the corpses are all kind of desiccated. Yeah, and then they find the glass coffins full of naked people, and so the first thing they decide to do is with these glass coffins full of naked people, bring him back to Earth. Yep, and take him out of the coffins. Yep, and then. Put them in the world's loosest quarantine. <laughs> I don't know how loose that is. There's like eight doors you have to go through. And none of them are hermetic, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like it's like the kind of quarantine that people did when COVID started. Yeah. It's like, well, we're going to barely inconvenience ourselves and continue ordering things from Uber Eats, like, six days a week and answer the door without masks on. Yeah, that sounds about right. That was that was basically the gist of the kind of quarantining they were doing. In their very terrible quarantine procedures, some guy just tries to cop a feel on the naked woman. Yeah. Yeah. And then she eats his soul. Yeah, she sucks his 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 his, his, his well life his, force. Yes, his titular life force. <laughs> um, it, and and one of the main I I I assume he's a main character. 
he sees this on a security monitor and runs down there and they have a scene of him like opening and closing each door <laughs> along the way uh -huh. the movie loves door opening absolutely it's very dramatic door opening but it's undercut by the fact that he's opening six doors in sequence <laughs> yes and and then he gets sucked too and another guy sees him getting sucked on the security monitor and does the same fucking thing yep it's so good okay so what did you name some of these characters uh honestly i didn't um, okay, so for me, I called the vampire lady Lilith, because that just feels like a name that NASA would have called her. I'll allow it. Um, the the second guy to get the suck, who, the one who survives, I named Doc Slop, because he was constantly sweaty. <laughs> oh, the men, the men in this were shaggy. The <laughs> men in this were indeterminate. Like, they all look the same. Yeah. I okay, had so much Kat, trouble with who was who. That's my experience in literally every movie we watch. Now hold on. With um what's it called? Um Odd Thomas. There's like three important men in that movie. Yeah. Odd, Willem Dafoe, and then the bad guy. That that one was less of a problem. I did get the bad cops mixed up a lot. Um Yeah, that I don't know that they needed to be all that discernible. No, that's true. Um, so people are getting their souls sucked. Yeah. Um, the nudie boys wake up. They do. That's that's later. Decide, that's like way later. If really, because I took very sparse notes and I missed maybe a bunch of stuff that happened. Yeah. So so naked lady escapes the facility. She like sucks some people. Uses a little bit of a pussy laser to zap some other people. Mm -hmm. um, and then explodes, like, the glass doors at the front of the facility and just walks out. Right. Um, and they start, like, they try to chase her or something like that. Um, God, this thing is all mixed up in my brain, too. That's uh, There's a certain point shortly after that that the nudie boys show up and start killing a bunch of soldiers. Yeah. Oh, uh, still don't get to see Dick. Um, and then it the movie cuts from there to the first guy to get the suck. Yeah, and yeah. he's all shriveled up. And I do have an album sync moment here. Oh yeah. Um, one of the one of the lyrics in on this album was "shrivel people up," and oh then it God. immediately cuts to the desiccated body of fuck. That's the good. first man to get the suck, and that. That is incredible. That's really good. Yeah, my uh, and during that scene, uh, a line in one of the songs was, "It was the CIA that really turned on America." As there's mm -hmm. some dudes standing around looking at a naked, desiccated corpse, and presumably mm -hmm. probably getting a little bit horny for them for him because one yeah, of the guys. There's does. a lot of like it's very like I want to call it like Sam Raimi nudity. Yeah. Where, yes, there's nudity, but it's meant to be grotesque. Yeah. There's, um... It's a very sexually charged movie in general. Yes. The, so the desiccated corpse, right as they're about to autopsy him, like, comes back to life and sucks one of the... one of the doctors. 
and re- mm-hmm. like revives himself, which is a really weird scene where his skin is like bubbling and which is kind of like I think that gives us a little bit some of the answer to what how these vampires work basically like either you keep sucking or you dry up and turn into dust yeah yeah because the next scene is they have the dude in like a storage closet Mm -hmm. and he gets super desperate and then explodes into dust because he can't suck Um, right what else what 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 else happens there's a weird oh they then they find one of the um astronaut guys who like escaped from the space shuttle in an escape pod or whatever mm-hmm. um and they like interview him yes i named him spaceman spiff <clears throat> all of the men in this movie had the most insane eyebrows <laughs> it's just it's such a hard movie to watch because <laughs> even if you like even if you don't have the weird kind of face blindness that we do yeah like it's they're very generic looking men like they're so... I don't think they went to Professor Oreo's school for ovoid boys because they weren't round enough. No, no, they're just very generic 80s men. Yeah. They went to like the Kenny Loggins school of 80s man. Yeah. It's pretty uh pretty um yeah, extremely <laughs> extremely generic. So um, they interview Spaceman Spiff, and he talks about um how the rest of the crew, like I think, maybe got remotely sucked. Yeah, something like except that. Except him, for some reason, maybe he was chosen to become the next vampire. Uh, I, I don't know that. There's some reason why he's special. Yeah, he had like some psychic and, connection with the with the naked lady, and he tries to destroy everything, which is as we find out why the spaceship was all burned out. Yeah. Because he doesn't want these alien creatures that he knows he can't trust getting to Earth and killing a bunch of people. Right. Now, we know that that's already failed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they observe him while he's asleep, and he has a fuckmare. Yeah, yeah, he does a, little, he does a bit of dream sex. And, um... Then he wakes up, like, all sweaty. Yes. And this is where it gets a little a bit little... more incomprehensible, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Because... I mean, there's a part where they're, like, shining a light at him. Yeah. Like, flashing a light in his face that's, like, some sort of therapy. Uh, so I wrote, what kind of therapy is this? There are four lights there. <laughs> <laughs> Which, as it turns out, was weirdly prophetic because patrick stewart's in this movie yeah he is um it like cuts to this woman like hitchhiking like walking through a field and then getting Mm -hmm. in a car with a dude and being all horny for him yes um i referred to her as dana slash (laughs) zool yeah big big that big that vibes um and they somehow managed to track her down Mm mm-hmm to a sanitarium or something. Yeah. And they go into her apartment. Inside the sanitarium. In, yeah. Maybe she... I don't know if she, like, lived... Uh, maybe I she works there. I think she's, like, there. a permanent resident, and, like, it, it's, like, a... 
I don't I don't know either. She works there or she is a patient there and lives there. Yeah. And they have her stay in because she's um like maybe she went to jail for being an infomaniac. She's like in a mental hospital for being an infomaniac. Maybe. That seems like something that this movie would pull. Probably. And then the astronaut guy does a little assault on her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't yep. I don't know why. And then it turns out her back is all scratched up. Yeah. And, you know, who doesn't love a good scratching kink? But it's extremely strange because he then makes out with her. Yeah. In the most uncomfortable. Like, they both looked like they didn't want to be doing it. Yeah. But they were compelled to by some sort of extraterrestrial fuck vampire force. I, I think that may be what's happening. Like, maybe she's possessed by the vampire that he the the naked lady or something it's at this point that i wrote there's a lot of very questionable science and medicine in this movie (laughs) yeah um and then they meet patrick stewart who is like the guy in charge Mm -hmm. um and he takes them to see a patient who i guess they think is related to the aliens somehow but then they're, they, like, realize that it's actually Patrick Stewart or something, and they, they like, sedate him and strap him to a chair. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, like, uncomfortable interrogation scene where astronaut guy is, like, getting real violent with, with Patrick Stewart and at one point, like, kisses him. And then, like, the room... Yes, because I think Patrick Stewart is as we come to find out later, possibly possessed by Lady Vampire. Yeah. Because um, they knock him out with some knockout juice. Yeah. And put him on a helicopter. And then I lip read at this point, make sure you wear a mask. He tr- could transform at any second. <laughs> and then he just liquefies into a blood geist. Yeah, all of his fucking blood like comes out of his body like through his eyes and mouth in a kind of wild and kind of cool scene and then the yes. it, it like collects in this floating orb of blood in the helicopter that then turns into a blood simulacrum of the naked lady and says something and then collapses into a puddle of blood on the ground yes um i referred to that as a blood geist like a ghost made out of blood because uh-huh. i feel like that fit yeah it's a very um like, a multi-genre movie, almost, because then we get, like, it's, like, full-on zombie movie at that point, because um, the... Not before Spaceman Spiff has wet dreams. Oh, I mean, he's had a lot of those, so... But, like, this one just happening in the middle of him having a conversation. <laughs> he's, like, talking to his chum, who's been with him the entire time, um, yeah. the only one... Of the actors who went to Professor Oreos instead of uh, <laughs> Kenny Loggins' school. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's and then it goes like full zombie movie where like the the suck chain reaction is is out of control and people are eating each other in the streets and London is burning. Um and even like the military facilities are overrun and so they have yep. to do so then then there's like a sword it's a it's like the tip of a pole arm of some sort it's, some it's kind like of... the head of a halberd but yeah without the 
shaft. Some kind of magical thing, I guess, that kills the vampires. Maybe. (laughs) Um, I mean, it it definitely did kill the vampires. Like, the one dude... It definitely did kill the vampires, yes. Um, Um, Now, here's... I have a note here, because Spaceman Spiff and the Lady Vampire are just straight up raw fucking at this point. Yeah, yeah. They're fully, like... Standing naked in, like, a church or something like that. Yes, like, I think she's going through the soul-sucking ritual to turn him into her new vampire consort. Yeah, and they're, like, they're, like, harvesting all the souls from the area, and it's, like, a conduit beaming it all back up to the the ship Mm -hmm. in orbit. Yes. Um, And now, while they're naked, I do want to note, um... He does have a more shapely butt than she does. <laughs> Somehow I didn't notice that, but I was also just extremely checked out by that point in the movie. That's fair. He has, um, he, he's caked up and she's got, like, a teardrop butt. <laughs> you know? He, yeah. It, there's, there's, there's a difference between, it's like the, the slopey kind of, like, flat-ish versus... Something with some real pronounced cheeks that you might put into some booty shorts. Yeah, I mean, he's got to have something going for him. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he has anything else. <laughs> Nor does this movie. Yeah. Um, so she gets stabbed by the magical pole arm. Yeah, like the 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 sweaty guy who got who survived getting sucked early in the movie. Um, tosses the tosses the blade down, and spaceman stabs it through her back, and also through himself. Mm-hmm. Um, With the intention being that he's too far gone and become a vampire too much to survive, so he has to sacrifice himself to save the world. Yeah. Um, and that that's that's the movie. It's basically the end of the movie. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> that's, that's what we watched. That's for sure what we watched. Yeah, it was a movie. Hello listeners, it's Kat with this week's mid-roll announcements. If you're a fan of legacy games and solo RPGs, my latest game might be for you. Missing RPG is a one-page game where you and every subsequent player modify the rules of a basic RPG under the conceit that it's something you found and wanted to fix. Inspired by a poster for Missing Art I saw on a telephone poll, this game encourages storytelling through a buildup of collaborative effort over time. The game is pay what you want, so please check it out if you'd like, and check out the other games that were released as part of the 2022 one-page game jam over on itch.io. If you like two-player RPGs, on the other hand, or wrestling, or cooperative storytelling, I've got another game for you. If you go to zafticat.itch.io, you'll find my next most latest game, Call It In The Ring, a game of tag team wrestling. The game is still in its playtest phase, although very rapidly approaching a full publishing. Uh, So, if you pick it up now, you'll be able to get it at its lowest price before the price goes up after we have to pay our editor and layout artist and everything like that. Check it out if you're looking for something new to play on RPG Night. If you'd like to see more gay shit from Kira, you can follow her Tumblr, sapphire-mess.tumblr.com. You can also follow my Tumblr, zafticat.tumblr.com, for what will inevitably be a lot of shit posts and some supernatural stuff. I sometimes talk about RPGs, though. I promise. Sometimes.
As always, I'm on Twitter at Zafdacat, and Kira is there at Sapphire underscore mess. If you'd like to support us, there are a few ways you can do that. First, you can tell someone about the show. We thrive on word of mouth, and our goofy brand of weird is the perfect thing to recommend to your friends, your polycule, your found family, your biological family, or your kismesis, if you happen to have one of those. You could also be our favorite people in the world and leave a review for the show on your podcatcher of choice. We're fans of good pods for their really neat shareability features, but whatever you prefer works for us. If you do leave a review, please let us know via tweet or Tumblr message and we'll get you a shout out on the show. Thirdly, we'd be so grateful if you were to support us on Patreon. We make this show because we love it, not because of the money, but a little support from you goes a really long way for us, so please consider doing so. No integer dollar amount is too small. That's all for this week's mid-roll, so I'll let past me and Kira get back to talking about this extremely sucky movie. Let's talk about what this movie was yeah, about. Yeah, tell me what, what it was about, please. Life Force is a 1985 British science fiction horror film directed by Toby Hooper, adapted by Dan O'Bannon and Don Jacoby, starring a bunch of people and Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Uh, there's, I think there was one other guy who's, who I've seen in other movies, but those were also bad movies that, like, I saw through riff tracks, so. Okay, yeah, that's, I mean, anything in the general Menachem Golan oeuvre is going to be bad. Yeah. The crew of a joint British and American space shuttle, the Churchill, under the command of Colonel Tom Carlson, finds a 150-mile-long spaceship hidden in the coma of Halley's Comet. Inside, the crew discovers hundreds of desiccated bat-like creatures and three naked humanoid bodies, two male and one female, in suspended animation within glass containers. The crew recovers a bat alien and the three bodies and begins their return trip to Earth. However, during... Their return journey, Mission Control loses contact with the Churchill. A rescue mission is launched to investigate. The rescuers discover that the Churchill's been gutted by fire. The present crew are dead and the escape pod is missing. Yet the three containers bearing the bodies remain intact. The bodies are taken to the European Space Research Center in London. Uh, probably not there anymore. I doubt it. Prior to an autopsy, the female alien awakens and drains the life force out of a guard. She then escapes the facility and proceeds to drain other humans of their life force. The two male vampires awaken and attempt a violent escape, but are apparently destroyed by grenades thrown by the guards. Soon after, the guard revives two hours after his death and displays the ability to drain others of their life force. Meanwhile, in Texas, an escape pod from from the Churchill is found with Carlson inside. Carlson is flown to London where he describes the course of events including feeling compelled to open the female vampire's container and share his life force with her, culminating in the draining of the Churchill crew's life force. Carlson explains that he set fire to the shuttle with the intention of saving Earth from the same fate and escaped in the pod. However, when he is hypnotized, that's what the flashing light was. Okay. Actually, that is a reasonable hypnotic technique. Um, It becomes clear that Carlson possesses a psychic link to the female alien, and he reveals her ability to shapeshift. Carlson and SAS Colonel Colin Kane trace her to a psychiatric hospital in Yorkshire. 
To believe they managed to trap her within the heavily sedated body of the hospital's manager, Dr. Armstrong. Carlson and Kane later learned they were deceived, as the aliens wanted to draw them out of London. The two male vampires have survived by shapeshifting into the soldiers who killed their previous bodies, and now the pair are infecting most of London's population. As Carlson and Kane are transporting Dr. Armstrong back to London, the female alien escapes from her sedated host and disappears. Martial law has been declared as the vampire plague sweeps through the city, the victims seeking out other humans to absorb their life force and perpetuate the cycle. The absorbed life forces are channeled by the male vampires to the female vampire, who transmits the accumulated energy to their spaceship, which is now in geosynchronous orbit over London. Dr. Falada impales one of the male vampires with an ancient weapon of, quote, leaded iron. He contacts Carlson and Kane and surmises that the creatures have visited Earth periodically with the coming of Haley's comet creating the vampire legends. He delivers the weapon to Kane before succumbing to the infection. The female vampire is tracked by Carlson to St. Paul's Cathedral, where she is lying upon the altar, transferring energy into her spaceship. She reveals, much to Carlson's shock, that they are a part of each other due to sh the sharing of their life forces, thus, thus sharing their psychic bond. Kane follows Carlson to the cathedral and is intercepted by the second male vampire whom he kills. Kane throws the weapon to Carlson, who impales himself and the female alien simultaneously. This action causes the release of a burst of energy that blows the dome off of St. Paul's to ascend the column of energy into the spaceship, which then returns to the comet as Kane watches. The end. I feel like we mostly nailed it. Yeah, for a movie that was so deeply confusing and difficult to follow, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's like a 8.5 out of 10. Like we, yeah. A solid B. That was, we did pretty well. I'll allow it. Um, let's see. Casting, <clears throat> um, oh, this is my favorite part of this. Um, the budget was $25 million. What do you think the box office was? $1 million. Uh, Strongly better than that? Eighteen million. It was a little less. Eleven point six million. All right. So it made less than half of its budget back. Yeah. That's a shame. Some trivia from the casting. Billy Idol was said to have been offered the lead role as one of the male vampires, but declined it due to touring commitments. Hmm. So we could have had a movie with Billy Idol as a vampire. There's another movie um, where David Bowie is a vampire. Yes, David Bowie is also just generally, a, was generally a pretty good actor. Yeah. So that makes a lot more sense than just randomly throwing Billy Idol in there. That was another movie I saw part of in my vampire literature class. It's called The Hunger. And instead of having fangs, they have a knife they wear around their neck that they cut people with and then drink their blood. That's interesting. Yeah. I think the coolest class that I took in college was a um, post-apocalyptic literature class. So this also, I guess, probably would have fit into that yeah. class, weirdly. We watched a couple of really neat movies. I, we ended up watching all three different versions of the Richard Matheson story, I Am Legend, which I'm sure we've talked about on this show before. Pro yeah, we definitely have. <laughs> we watch a lot of schlocky sci-fi. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, that's, that's what we do. I mean, like, you know, if, if it's going to be our 
MO. You may as well make it a fun MO, right? Yeah. Okay, so this movie opened head-to-head with Ron Howard's Cocoon. I didn't see that. It was much more... I mean, it had Steve Gutenberg in it, so it was popular for 1985. You know, it, basically, it went head-to-head with another similarly-premised horror movie. Mm-hmm. And as a result, lost because the star power of Wilford Brimley and Steve Gutenberg just outweighs everything. Yeah, that's, I mean, you can't, I mean, this was like, I'm pretty sure this was pre-Star Trek, uh, Patrick Stewart, so he wasn't like the, the, yeah, like the just barely name. pre-Star Trek. Yeah. So for the European release of this movie, the soundtrack includes a space ballet performed by the London Symphony Orchestra that was written based on the 15-minute, essentially, dialogue-free opening sequence, which made it atonal to literally the rest of the movie. <laughs> and, um, you know, no complaints. I think more, more vampire movies need to have atonal space operas. I mean, yeah. For us, the whole movie was... An atonal space opera? Yeah. Okay, uh, what else do we do on this show? I I got some reviews for you. I would love to hear some Amazon reviews. Okay, got some good ones. This first one is a one-star review from Magical J, which sounds like it should be a member of Insane Clown Posse. Yes. Um, It's titled, Hey Naked Ladies, Only Thing Selling This Absolute Trash. And it reads... The only reason to like this movie is Naked Girls. It's absolutely terrible in all things it does. If you'd never see Naked Girls, then watch this trash fest. In 1985, (laughs) it might have made sense. I was six. I really don't know why people would rate this higher than the absolute minimum. It has space vampires. Vampires don't exist, so why do we keep forcing dumb concepts in movies, books, and real life? The only true vampires are corporations and governments. Fact! Anyways, if you're easily amused, this old-ass movie might seem campy or, oh, it's good because no one likes it, and it has naked girls. Full naked. Don't bite. It's crap. Lot to unpack there. Yeah, that is a lot to unpack, actually. (laughs) Like, that's a lot of... A lot of... It's as though it was written prior to the invention of the internet. when one could find pornography. Yeah. It it did also like veer toward Bob G territory towards the end there. Mhm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't un- like it's a it's a vampire movie. I don't understand why you would be upset about there being vampires, well, vampires in a real. vampire movie. Vampires aren't real. Neither to our knowledge neither are fucking space aliens. <laughs> Uh, I have another review from T. Anderson. This is a two-star review titled Cheesy, and it reads, Swiss. Um, you know, that's probably the best review we're gonna get. (laughs) Um, I have a three-star review from Apathy Curve titled Cheesy but Mildly Amusing, and it reads, A strictly second-rate sci-fi horror flick that suffers from credibility problems. Not the space vampires. I can accept that. 
But the British building a spaceship? Ridiculous. Even in the highly unlikely event they were to to succeed, it would undoubtedly leak oil. (laughs) Perfect review, no notes. It is always morally correct to make fun of the British. Exactly. Um, Another three-star review from Amazon customer titled Three Stars, and it reads, A somewhat realistic view of vampires. (laughs) I know there's probably more. No, that's the whole review. I have another three-star review from Evelyn Kelly, titled Naked Aliens, and it reads, The alien, Matilda May, is naked. Yep. Yeah. That is true. I have a four-star review from Amazon customer, titled Classic Vampire Movie, Uh, and it reads, This is a vampire movie with classic vampires who are driven by the need. There is no reason and there is no definition. It is all driven by the animal instinct. A vampire with a PhD is not a vampire. Come on, give me a break. This makes the movie quite scary. At the same time, the movie is very sexy, seductive, and very, very bloody. The performance from the actors is not that good, but the story itself is excellent. The mix of sci-fi and traditional gothic elements are very well done in this movie. I wonder if maybe... They just watched a different movie. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of really positive reviews for this movie. I have another four star from Steven Siemens titled Cheesier Than Craft Macaroni. Okay, first of all, it's craft dinner. Second of all, <laughs> it reads an entertaining cult classic with some scenes over the top, especially 35 years ago. The sweetener is Matilda May's divine nakedness for his extended shots. Gad. Look her up. This woman is still middle-aged hot today. When was this review <clears throat> February 11th, 2021. You know, she's doing pretty well for herself. <clears throat> I will give her a certified hot older lady. <laughs> fair, fair. She does have turf bangs. Though. Oof, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, she is French, so that, that just might be why. That's true. It could just be the Frenchness. Either way. Um, you know, yeah. coffee and cigarettes for breakfast will get you pretty far this, in life. Yeah, and it will get your bangs pretty short. Uh, a four-star review from Brian Catmull titled A New Angle on a Vampire Story. And this one is written very much like a, sort of a, a bad poem where there's just sort of random line breaks in the middle of sentences and stuff. I assume that means that the author of this review was too busy ee coming <laughs> to actually finish the review properly. Fuck. <laughs> uh. Um. I mean, you set me up for that one. Pretty, it's pretty fucking good. Yeah, I'm gonna pat myself on the back yeah, for that one. Yeah, you should. Um, the review reads, sick of the, tim- sick of the typical vampire bite them on the next story. Then if you're into vampires, get this DVD. The special effects are still scary today. The storyline is a little different from normal, but the outcome is still, 
much the same, except it's not blood they are after, but something more. Deadly, the cast are unknowns, but do a creditable job. You will watch it again and again over time. Very well done. I won't watch this again. <laughs> uh, would you like a five-star review from Old Movie Buff? Sure, and then I think we can probably look at wrapping up. Okay, there's one more that I need to t- tell you after this one, because it's extremely okay, important. hit me with those reviews. Um, great sci-fi, sci-go, great sci-go thriller with a love story at heart. And it reads, Tale of a Really, Really Bad Pandemic. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Daryl J. Pernall's, Pernell Sr. Uh, titles this Spearhead and gives it five stars. And the review reads, Spearhead. And then he's included a picture of himself that looks like a 45-year-old man's Facebook profile picture. <clears throat> and I, I need to know what's going on here. I need a visual on this review, please. Okay, I will screenshot this for you, because it's... <laughs> Perplexing. Oof. I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Did we? <laughs> He's wearing a mask. He is. Yeah. Uh, the review is from August of 2020. Yeah. So he's wearing a mask. That's a positive. Yeah. I got. I got. I. I can't react to this, <laughs> except with incredulousness. Um. You, you you also can't react to this movie in the same way that Walt reacted to it, who gave it five stars. This movie, this review is in all caps, and I won't yell it, but the review is titled One of the Most Significant Horror Films Ever Made. <laughs> and okay. it reads, without spoilers, this is one of the most dynamic science fiction horror films ever made. The actors and supporting personnel are too numerous to name. This is an adult film with nudity, extreme violence, and profanity. Having said that, the dynamics of this thematic material require much of the aforementioned. The special effects used are among the greatest of any movie I have ever seen. This was definitely an extravaganza, but not made for the masses like a Star Wars film. It was a Toby Hooper production all the way. As vampires attempt to overthrow civilization, the two protagonists fight against them. Toby Hooper created the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which began, in many respects, the modern horror film. Get out the popcorn and pizza and kick back and enjoy this one-of-a-kind creation, a phenomenal film in all respects. So, there's there's a couple of quibbles that I might have. (laughs) Just a few. Um, I, I won't disagree that Texas Chainsaw Massacre is fundamental to the modern horror movement, but... To call this one of the best horror movies ever, to like imply that it is a seminal horror movie, <laughs> is to dismiss what makes horror good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because, like, the things that I get from this film, even with my limited understanding, tell me that this film doesn't have a message. I wouldn't, I also wouldn't really call this a horror movie. In the in the like classic horror movie sense, I mean, like what? Like no no character is... in this movie is ending up in Dead by Daylight. First of all, no, no, but that's I don't know that that necessarily means that it's not horror, because there's a difference between what I would consider to be like contemporary horror, at, like especially monster movie horror as a genre, yeah. 
versus like classic monster movie horror because like classic monster movie horror is less about a creature that scares the shit out of you yeah and more about like a creature that is there to do like romantic set pieces you know right not romantic in the sense of like um like romantic in a byronic sense you Mm know like the the classic 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 horror makes its point almost without being scary to a degree menacing more than scary that's fair and modern horror the stuff that you would see in dead by daylight is about like the psychological value of something so monstrous that it alarms you to the point of fear right yeah like, that's what i've always thought of as as horror movies but i guess there's more <clears throat> than than just yeah that. There, there's a there's a broader i mean like I, I would contend that the horror movies of the 1980s it, it, in particular uh sort of typify the camp uh what i would i guess is like the the, the start style of like kind of funny campy horror yeah where like the blood is used to excess and looks fake as fuck. <laughs> True. <clears throat> and, like, that's still horror. Yeah. And it's still enjoyable, but it's a different sort of movement of horror. Like, there's, you know, like, artistic movements and stuff like that. Horror has its own movements. And, like, ultimately where I think this film is just kind of mid is that I don't think it has anything to say. Other than Naked Lady, very nice. It's an extremely yeah. horny movie. Like it's it's, but it's it's not even done in such a way that's like a commentary on sexuality no. and like promiscuity. No, it's just there to it's, be horny. It's not like you know, like there there are plenty of horror movies from around this time that like do you know use the AIDS crisis as kind of like a a tool for fear and a tool of metaphor in their storytelling and like you know this had the potential to do that yeah and then it didn't yeah it just said what if we put naked lady on screen what if the men's did a sexing on the naked lady it was it was bad it 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 did it did not deserve to make back its budget that's my opinion I mean, it, and it didn't so there we go so, what else do we have to say about this movie? Nothing. I'm. I'm. Uh... Okay, I'm gonna go get high. You have an online convention thing to attend. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We sure didn't. Unsound Theories is a production of So Says Media. You can follow us on Twitter at Unsound Theories or follow Kat and Kira at Zafticat, Z-A-F-T-I-K-A-T, and at Sapphire underscore mess, respectively. The best way to support the work we do is to tell a friend and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods. If you'd like to support our work monetarily to help us keep the lights on, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash so says media. There you'll gain access to behind-the-scenes content, Patreon-exclusive episodes, and so much more. The music used in this episode is Dance on All the Cell Phones by Chris Postel. 
You can find this and Chris's other work at soundslikeanearful.com. Until next time, stay wizard. <laughs>